Therefore, fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship Yahweh. But if it doesn't please you to worship Yahweh, choose for yourselves today the one you will worship, the gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. As for me and my family, we will worship Yahweh. The people replied, We will certainly not abandon the Lord to worship other gods. For the Lord our God brought us and our fathers out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, and performed these great signs before our eyes. He also protected us all along the way we went, and among all the peoples whose lands we traveled through. The Lord drove out before us all the peoples, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will worship the Lord, because he is our God. But Joshua told the people, You will not be able to worship Yahweh, because he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not remove your transgressions and sins. If you abandon the Lord and worship foreign gods, he will turn against you, harm you, and completely destroy you, after he has been good to you. No, the people answered Joshua, we will worship the Lord. Joshua then told the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you yourselves have chosen to worship Yahweh. We are witnesses, they said. Then get rid of the foreign gods that are among you and offer your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. So the people said to Joshua, we will worship the Lord, our God, and obey him. On that day, Joshua made a covenant with the people at Seshem and established a statute and ordinance for them. Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. He also took a large stone and set it up there under the oak next to the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, You see this stone? It will be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words the Lord said to us. And it will be a witness against you, so that you will not deny your God. Then Joshua sent the people away, each to his own inheritance. Next readings from Galatians. It's on 1075 in your Bibles. Verse 16, chapter 5. I say then, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control, Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. We must not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. Um, We just finished uh, 1 Timothy. We're about to start 1 John in two weeks' time. Uh, So for the next two weeks, you've got topical sermons. 
Uh, so we're going to do two topics, what the whole Bible says about them. Next week I'm going to preach on forgiveness. That's a massive topic, isn't it, forgiveness? So pray for my preparation. Uh, pray for your preparation. Uh, and come to church uh, next Sunday eager to hear about forgiveness. Uh, tonight I'm going to talk about jealousy. I'm going to preach on jealousy because I struggle with it and I'm guessing you struggle with it, and I think our church struggles with it. You think about jealousy, I want you to think of a, of a coin. So every time you, you pay for something this week and put out a coin, think about your jealousy. And the reason for that is that when the Bible talks about jealousy, there are two sides to it. There's a wretched side and a right side. There's a good side and a bad side. Uh, the wretched side is obvious. I mean, the, the, the things that we're jealous of the people that we're jealous of, the things that we're jealous of, that's driven by our envy, our greed, our resentment, and that sort of ugly side of jealousy. Uh, the right side is, is the things that you're jealous for. You're jealous for justice, you're jealous for truth, you're jealous for righteousness. But I'm guessing, like me, that you tend to shine the wretched side of the coin more than the right side of the coin. Let me give you two examples. These are fictional characters that are not based on anybody in this room tonight. Okay? Uh, meet Tim. Tim's very successful in business. He owns an apartment in Kirribilli. Uh, he's popular. He's good-looking. He's fashionable, he is fit, he's got everything. But when you have coffee with Tim, it's very obvious that he is not satisfied, he's insecure, and he's jealous. He's jealous of the, of the friend who owns a house in Kirbilly, he's got an apartment, he wants a house. Uh, he's jealous of the friend who got the promotion at work ahead of him because he deserved that job. He's jealous of the guy who ran the Sydney half marathon two minutes faster than him because he's fitter than that guy. Uh, he's jealous of the guy who's got more money. He's jealous of the guy who's got the relationship that he wants, the family that he wants, the life that he wants. As you talk to Tim, after about 45 minutes of listening, it is really, really, really unattractive. And you know those people. They're filled with jealousy. Perhaps you are that person. That's a, a, a wrong jealousy, a wretched jealousy. Meet Phil. Phil's married to Fiona. They've been married for nine years. They have two kids, a six-year-old and a four-year-old. And Fiona went back to work last year. So, so life is stressful. Two kids, one at school, one at preschool, two full-time jobs, mortgage to pay, husband who works long hours. And in walks James, and James makes Fiona feel good and feel special, and he makes her laugh. And so Fiona has coffee with James, and then Fiona has lunch with James, and then he has dinner with James, and then Fiona has sex with James. And Phil comes home one night to find his wife in bed with another man. And Phil has this kind of this, this gut-wrenching outburst of jealousy. <laughs> 
That is my wife. She promised to be faithful to me, forsaking all others till death us depart. That's a right response, isn't it? There would be something terribly wrong if Phil just went, oh, well, these things happen. He's jealous for his marriage. He's jealous for his wife. That is a positive, right kind of jealousy, isn't it? But I'm guessing, like me, you shine the wretched side more than the right side of the coin. Let's focus on God, shall we? Finish this sentence. God is. God is love. God is kind. God is compassionate. God is merciful. God is just. God is righteous. God is jealous. Do you ever think about the jealousy of your God? Sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? A bit like a one-eyed green monster. Look at this verse, Exodus 34, verse 14. You are never to bow down to another God. He's talking to God's people, to Israel. You're never to bow down to another God because Yahweh, being jealous by nature, is a jealous God. You see, the Bible tells us that that our God, Yahweh, the Lord, is by nature jealous. His character, his being, his essence is one of jealousy. The NIV says, jealous is his name. So what does that mean for God to be jealous? Surely God's jealousy is not like our jealousy, driven by pride and pity and selfishness and frustration. The jealousy of a holy God is his zeal. The word zealous and the word jealous are the same root. It's God's zeal, his passion, his concern for his honor, for his glory, for his name. Because God is totally intolerant of any competitor and any rival for our affections. He's intolerant of our unfaithfulness. He's intolerant when we chase after other gods, when we put anything alongside him in our life and say we find our security, our identity, our satisfaction in that thing, in that person. The, the Hebrew word for jealousy is literally to color red. That's what the word means, to color red. It's a descriptive word, isn't it? It's an emotional word. Do you ever think like that, that your God colors red for his honor and his glory and his name? Remember when uh, God redeemed his people from Egypt and brought them to Sinai? And at the Mount Sinai, he gave them the Ten Laws, the Ten Commandments. What was that one about idols? Exodus 20, verse 4, do not make an idol of yourself. You must not bow down to an idol or worship them, for I, the Lord Lord your God, am a jealous God. You see, God will not and God cannot be represented by an image God's wisdom, God's knowledge, God's love, God's mercy will not take second place. God wants his people to think of him as he really is, to worship him for his excellence, to marvel at his worth, his honor, his glory. And so he burns with jealousy when we worship false gods. Let me ask you, why do you think God gets jealous of us, for us? Why do you think God cares? 
Why didn't God so work? Why didn't God just get over it? Think back to Phil. Why was he so jealous for his wife? Because he he loves her. He loves her with an unconditional eternal love, a steadfast love. And when you've grasped that the Bible describes his church, that's you and I, his people, as his bride, as his wife, and God is like the husband, then you understand why God is jealous. Because just as the marriage relationship has been violated by adultery, when we live lives which flirt with the world, and when we live lives as his church, as his bride, where we dabble with a bit on the side and act as though God is not part of our life, he's like a, a jealous husband saying, but you're mine, I love you, I redeemed you, I won you. God says, I will be your people, I will be your God and you will be my people. I will love you, I will cherish you, I will chase after you. That's how much I love you. I never thought I would be recommending Christian romance fiction from the pulpit, but this is an amazing book. It's called Redeeming Love, a novel by Francine Rivers. Christian romance fiction. It's based on the book of Hosea. My wife gave it to me, and I encourage you, men and women, to read it. It's based on Hosea, and when you read this book, you just understand the heart of your God. He keeps chasing after you. No matter how much we prostitute ourselves, he keeps running after you and says, I love you. I'm sticking with you. See, God is jealous for us because we're his people. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. And make an idol of yourself in the shape of anything he's forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire and a jealous God. So be very careful. Come to the New Testament. When God's people in Corinth were celebrating the Lord's Supper, they were standing in church. They were taking the bread and the wine. At the same time, they were flirting with the world. What does Paul say? You can't drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You can't share the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we provoking the Lord to jealousy? How dare we? Oh, my favorite verse on this is, is James chapter 4. It's that first word, adulteresses. When we, his bride, when we, his wife, take other husbands, other men, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Whoever wants to be the world's friends become a, an enemy of God. Or do you think it's without reason that the scripture says that the spirit who lives in us yearns jealously? Isn't that beautiful? That if you're in Christ, if you love Jesus and the spirit of God lives in you, and so when we flirt with the world, when we commit adultery with the world, when we try to live a double life and not giving God and Jesus all the honor, all the glory, all the fame, all the priority in our life, the spirit within us yearns jealousy, saying, live for Jesus, honor Jesus, give Jesus the honor he deserves. Now do you get it? That your God is jealous for his name and for you. 
And the jealousy of God is displayed in his wrath and his love. He is rightly angry when we put other things above him. He is rightly angry when we chase after the false securities and satisfactions of this world. But he loves us. Zechariah chapter 1, I am very jealous for my people. Zechariah chapter 8, I am very jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. Joel chapter 2, the Lord will be jealous for his land and take pity on his people. Isn't that what, what drove God to the cross? Isn't that what sent his son to the Calvary for you? That he loves you. He wants to redeem you and restore you. He's jealous for you and for his glory. And that's the first step tonight to understand that your God is a jealous God, to grasp how jealous he is for his name, his honor, his glory, and for you, his people, his church. That you might live for Jesus. So, so jealousy is not a, not a wrong thing. It's part of God's character. The problem is that the subject of our jealousy is often not his honor and his glory and his name. The subject of my jealousy is often me, my wants, my needs, my must-haves. And that is ungodly jealousy. So ungodly jealousy is when we resent what someone else has, when we think we deserve something that we haven't got, when we're insecure because we don't have something that we really, 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 really want. If you want to see jealousy in action, just go to someone's house on Christmas morning when they've got kids. And they've got everything. They've got the toy, they've got the dress, they've got the iPod touch, and they're very happy until they see their sibling with the Xbox that they really, 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 really want. And what happens? They kick, they scream, they cry. It's not fair. I wanted that. Mum loves me, loves you more than she loves me. Your presents are more expensive than my presents. Are they worth more than me? But as adults, we don't show our jealousy by kicking and screaming and crying, do we? We're much more sophisticated than that. We sulk. We whinge. We moan. We manipulate. Like Rachel in Genesis chapter 30. Verse 1, when Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister, who was. So she said to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. Give me the child or I will die. I'd rather die. Driven by jealousy. You ever thought what drove Joseph's brothers to put him in a pit and leave him for dead and sell him as a slave? Jealousy. Genesis 37, verse 11 says his brothers were jealous of him. They were jealous of his coat and jealous of his relationship with his father. And that's what drove them to try and kill him. It's tragic, isn't it? 
or our competitiveness makes us jealous. Exodus, sorry, Acts chapter 13, verse 45, when the Jews saw the crowds around Paul, they were filled with jealousy and began to oppose what Paul was saying by insulting him. They weren't offended by what he was saying until they saw the crowds around him. He, he draws a bigger crowd than us. They're filled with jealousy so they start to hate him. That is ungodly jealousy. Nothing to do with God, nothing to do with God's glory, nothing to do with my godliness, and everything to do with what I want and what others have. And for me, most of my jealousy brings some pride. I think I deserve something. I think I need something. I'm worth it. Think about what you're jealous of. What are you jealous of? Other people's jobs, other people's property, other people's possessions, other people's looks, other people's money, other people's friendship circles, other people's relationships, other people's kids. But the root of jealousy is a lack of trust. You don't trust that God is sovereign and God is good. You don't trust that God knows you intimately and God loves you unconditionally. And let me just warn you, friends, that jealousy is very, very dangerous. I love this verse from Proverbs. Proverbs 27, verse 4. Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming. But who can stand before jealousy? Very subtle jealousy, but it's very dangerous. It will consume you, it will eat away at you. If you've ever been jealous of somebody else's romantic relationship, trust me, it will consume you. You analyze every conversation, you analyze every word that was spoken to you or about you, you think irrationally, you behave like a lunatic, and it consumes you. That's why it's there in Galatians chapter 5. The works of the flesh are obvious. There's sexual immorality, that one's obvious. Moral impurity, that's obvious. Promiscuity, that is obvious. But jealousy? We're very good at hiding our jealousy, aren't we? And here's the shocking truth, friends. That we as church, we as Christians, are not just jealous of the watching world. We're not just jealous of properties and possessions and money and relationships with jealous of each other. You're walking to church on a Sunday night, and uh, you know that grace is a great leveler. You know that you're all one in Christ, but you spot that person who's got the gift that you want. Uh, you spot the person who's got the friendship circle that you want, be, you want to be part of, and you're jealous of that. And here's a confession. Ministers get jealous as well. You know, when other preachers are praised, you're thinking, that person never praised me for my sermons. Why not? When you hear of other churches that are growing faster than your church, it's easy to be jealous of them rather than praising God for them. When you hear of a conference with thousands of people, it's easy to be jealous of them rather than praising God for them. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is a great verse. Paul said, I fear that Perhaps when I come to you in Corinth, I won't find you, to, find you to be what I want. There may be quarreling and jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. Sure, you're not Kirribilli Church. 
Yes, friends, Kirby Church. Jealousy, gossip, and slander. If you're here tonight and you struggle with jealousy, which is everybody, isn't it? Can I urge you, can I plead with you, please get rid of it. Please stop it. Please fight it. How do you do that? Here's my top tip. Teach yourself to be filled with joy for others rather than being jealous of others. Train your mind, train your thoughts to be filled with joy for that person rather than being jealous of that person. And praise God for them rather than being jealous of them. And pray that God would expose your jealousy. It's a dangerous prayer to pray. You'd be surprised at the things that you find you're jealous, of, you're jealous of. And pray that God would replace in you and in me an ungodly jealousy with a godly jealousy. We finish by highlighting three areas we should be jealous for. Be jealous for marriages. Whether you're single Never married, divorced, widowed, currently married. Be jealous for our marriages. Because at a human level, that covenant is precious to God. Numbers chapter 5 is a whole chapter devoted to a law regarding jealousy when a wife goes astray and defiles herself from her husband. How messed up is our world? How messed up is our church where we're more concerned about property and possessions and money but not marriages and we sit back and watch marriages crumble we should be jealous for our marriages we should be jealous for God's people for God's church love this verse 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 2 Paul is writing to the church to the people at Corinth he says I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy because I promised you in marriage to one husband to present a pure virgin to Christ. He looks at the church and says, I I promised to Christ that I'd mature you, I'd grow you, I'd present you on that last day perfect in Jesus. And so when I hear about false teachers coming in amongst you, I'm jealous for you. When I hear of people wandering from Christ, I'm jealous for you. When I hear of people being seduced by the world, I'm jealous for you. Is that your attitude to other people in church tonight? Is that your attitude to your brothers and sisters in this building tonight? That your deepest desire is to see them walking closely with Jesus. You long, you desire to see them keep walking with Jesus. And so when you hear and when you see someone struggling with sin, you don't shrug your shoulders. You love them enough. You're jealous for them to say, I love you. Please, please come back to Jesus. You know, when, you, when someone hasn't been at church for five or six weeks, it's not just my job to pick up the phone. It's your job. Are you okay? I'm concerned for you. I'm jealous for you. You do okay with Jesus? When you hear of somebody who has totally walked away, Does your heart sort of burn for them and color red for them? You're jealous for them because you want to see them walking with Jesus again. Is that the type of church that we want to be? Jealous for God's people and jealous for God's name. 
God is jealous for his name, his glory, his honor, and his fame. And he refuses to play second fiddle. Titus chapter 2, verse 14 says, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us. To redeem us from wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, literally jealous to do what is good. We've been redeemed, so we'll be a people who are jealous to do what is good. Eager, zealous, passionate about living a life for the glory of our Savior. Not so that we're praised, but so that Jesus is praised. We're devoted to living for Jesus so that Jesus is honored and Jesus is praised. And so when you open the newspaper and you read about Jesus being mocked and Jesus being ridiculed, we should be jealous, saying, that is my Savior, that is my God they're talking about. When, when you hear the world mocking Yahweh, ridiculing the church, you can't just sit back and do nothing, can you? You should burn with jealousy, saying, that is my God, that is my Savior. So the more that you love God, the more in love with God you are, the more you realize how much God loves you, then you start to live your life for his glory and his fame and his honor. You know, when you read the Psalms and you get to that part of the Psalm, you're thinking, oh, has David had a bit of a schizophrenic moment? Psalm 139 is a classic example. It's a beautiful psalm. It's often read at weddings or at baptisms. Psalm 139, Lord, you know me, you've searched me, you know when I sit, you know when I rise, you know when I lie, you know everything about me, and you saw me on my mother's womb, I'm beautifully created, and every day for me is written in your book. Oh, how wonderful you are, God. But you don't get verse 20 read at a wedding. God, if only you would kill the wicked, you bloodthirsty men, stay away from me who invoke you deceitfully, your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you and detest those who rebel against you? I hate them with extreme hatred. But when you love God that much, then you understand Psalm 139. Because when David saw the name of his God being taken in vain, when David saw the name of his Savior being maligned and mocked, he is filled with this right jealousy for his saviour. How dare they do that to my God? Do you ever feel like that? As you live your Christian life this week, for his glory and his fame, I hope you're going to burn with passion for him. Be jealous for the name of Jesus. My challenge for you this week is whenever you pay for anything, whenever you take out a coin, just pray that you would shine the right jealousy, shine for the jealousy of God's name, and that the wretched jealousy would get, du get duller and duller and duller. Let me finish by quoting J.C. Ryle. Wonderful article, it's called if We Love a Person by J.C. Ryle. He's talking about your relationship with God and my relationship with God. If we love a person, we like to think about him. We don't need to be reminded of him. 
If we love a person, we like to hear about him. If we love a person, we like to read about him. If we love a person, we like to please him. If we love a person, we like his friends. And if we love a person, we're jealous about his name and his honor. We don't like to hear him spoken against without speaking up for him and defending him. We feel bound to maintain his interest and his reputation. And we regard the person who treats him ill as, with almost as much disfavor as if he had treated us ill. Well, it's just so between the true Christian and Christ. The true Christian regards with a godly jealousy all efforts to disparage his master's word, his master's name, his master's church, his master's day. Why? Simply because he loves him. And if you love Christ, if you love your Saviour, you'll have that right jealousy for his name and his fame. Let's pray together. Father, we want to declare tonight that we love you. We adore you. We worship you. We fear you as the holy, jealous God. We want to thank you for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his love, his mercy, his grace. Lord, help us to be those people who are jealous for his name and for his glory. Help us to have that right jealousy, that right hatred for a world that continues to mock and ridicule the name of Jesus. Help us to love him more and to adore him more. 